and welcome back to Loss of Down. God, wow, it's we're, we're fucking rusty here. That was that wasn't that that wasn't a great intro. My goodness, but it's all right. I'm back. Mr. Wally Lukashensky is finally back, and we're finally back here together. Wally, how are we doing up there in Pittsburgh? It's been rough this last week, Steve. I'm not gonna lie to you. It was uh it was tough. I, I I've been battling the COVID here and we're healthy into two weeks and I'm still dealing with symptoms, but we're here. There's football and honestly that just makes it a good day. I'm ready to get back. I'm ready to shake off a little bit of this rust with you, man. We've been able to well, we've had a couple episodes out. It's mostly a solo episode from you where we kind of made a makeshift conglomerate episode here a couple weeks ago, but it's finally great to see that ugly, ugly bug of yours, bud. Yeah, no, I'm glad to be able to look at your ugly face too. It's it, it's kind of what this podcast is about. We got those faces for radio. So without further ado, Stephen, it's time to talk a little bit of football. Stephen, Deshaun Watson is probably the least happy person in the entire state of Texas right now. He wants nothing to do with being in Houston. Looks like it's an ownership issue with him. The problem with Deshaun Watson is he's too good. People are being speculative right now that it would take at least three first-round picks to pull him out of Houston. And whether or not that's a smart move, you understand how what cheap ownership is and how people overvalue draft picks in the NFL. So what, what have you been thinking about when you're watching this? Do you think he is going to be able to get out? Or do you think he's ultimately going to be stuck there in Houston for the foreseeable future? Well, first off... State of Texas cannot get their quarterback situation correct between Deshaun and obviously you got Dakota Prescott and Dallas. Deshaun Watson, I'm cleaning the house on draft picks for this. Who gives a shit about first-round talent that can develop into something when you have someone who's already fully developed? I mean, the man did nothing but led the league in passing yards this year with Brandon Cooks as his number one. Will Fuller balled out for a little bit, missed him in the last few games because of the suspension, obviously, for the PEDs. But let's get Deshaun Watson out of here. I know we were we were chirping about it during the season, but it was more of a pipe dream. We never thought that anyone was going to pull the trigger on this. But, man, the, the front office, the GM, everything imploded on themselves. Obviously, started with Bill O'Brien here er, earlier in the offseason – trading DeAndre Hopkins. Deshaun Watson, let's get this man out of here, but let's also keep him in the AFC. Sorry, that's a little bit of jab at you. I'm not ready to see him tear through the NFC because most likely what we've been hearing is the San Francisco 49ers, which I think everyone outside of Oakland is going to agree with that, obviously, in San Francisco. See, and one of the guys I love here in Pittsburgh media, Andrew Filipponi, you've heard me mention him on the show before. He tweeted something out earlier uh, this week where I thought it was – Actually, a really good point by him. If you just go off of the last five players that the Steelers have picked in the first round, or their picks have, so they've obviously traded some of those picks away too, but the last five first-round picks that belong to them at one point, Terrell Edmonds, Artie Burns, TJ Watt, Noah Fant, and Austin Jackson. Yeah, it could be better than that usually, but at the end of the day, when you look at it, he even says, I would trade a package like that for Deshaun Watson in a New York minute. It's true. I mean, you see so many teams overvalue first-round draft picks or draft picks in general in the league. And how often do you have an opportunity to get a for-sure franchise quarterback? So I I think that you'll see eventually maybe a team that is willing to pull the trigger, but it's going to take a king's ransom, at least in NFL circles, the way they view things. 
Do you have any prediction of where you think that he is going to land? Truthfully, not really. I'm I'm kind of the Debbie Downer on this just because I don't how often do we go into like NFL trade deadlines and we're like this year's different. These guys are gonna be moved. They want out. They actively want out. And what happens? We sit there on NFL trade deadline and it's four o'clock and we're like, wait, we waited all day and nobody freaking got traded. So right now my guess would be he stays put. So is your bet though, you said San Francisco, is that where you think you'll end up being? No, ultimately, I just I don't think San Francisco is going to have enough a cap space and b movable pieces for them that they're going to want to move on from for Deshaun Watson. I really like the Miami trade proposal that we've been we've been kind of seeing here the past week. I don't know, it's kind of hard what to take serious, but Miami would be fun. They have a fun young defense. Obviously, quarterback was the biggest thing that one of the biggest needs that they needed. And they were kind of flipping between Ryan Tannehill and Tua. Let's ship off Tua. Get Deshaun Watson. Miami has a lot of picks. But you also don't want to shy away from that other team in Florida, in Jacksonville, that has the most amount of picks, including the number one pick this year. I think it's going to go with Miami. And anywhere anywhere other than Houston is going to be better. Yeah, you'd feel pretty bad for Tua if that package that has been circulating ends up coming true, where you see Tua being a part of several first-round picks. I mean, it would make sense for Houston, too. You get a young guy. You try to re or what recoup some of those draft picks that Bill O'Brien into the team has seemed so willingly trying to get rid of in past years. But it'll be something to keep an eye on. But with something that we saw happen earlier today, which is kind of a little bit of breaking news, Phillip Rivers, the man, your NC State boy, He's finally hanging it up after a wonderful career. He's without a doubt going to be in the Hall of Fame. Probably we're looking at 2025 in four years when he's eligible to get off. We'll be talking more about the Hall of Fame here in, in future weeks. But I guess I just want to get your take on Philip Rivers finally deciding it, enough is enough. And he's okay with the fact that he never got that ring, which is unfortunate for him. But what were your takeaways from this? Philip Rivers had his window closed for that Super Bowl ring a long, long time ago. It was him, Damian Thomason, and then you have, of course, Antonio Gates. That was the three that should have won the Super Bowl, but obviously you had Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. You were never going to get there. This year you thought maybe they could have potentially made a run. wasn't going to happen, but, man, ugliest throw we've ever seen is finally out of the league. Worst trash talker is out of the league. God, he is – honestly, Philip Rivers is kind of a cocksucker. But I grew up outside of the Raleigh area, so I remember I briefly remember Philip Rivers going to NC State, balling out there, and then, you know, hopping up into the league, dominating for the Chargers for decade plus. So it's one of those quarterbacks you're seeing now, especially myself. I saw him grow from college into the pros, and now he's retired. It's just a rude awakening call that we're fucking old. That's the craziest thing too is that – what might happen in the course of, at the very least, 24 months, you're going to see Eli Manning, you're going to see Drew Brees, you're going to see Philip Rivers, and there's a still a decent chance that I think if this year is not the last year, next year will be Big Ben's last year. It, you're right, it makes us feel old, but to more on Drew Brees and them later, but one thing I will say for Philip, it's a shame that he really never... I feel like every time he was close to getting to the Super Bowl, something would go wrong. It seems like people have already forgotten he was playing on a torn ACL in the AFC Championship in Foxborough with LaDainian Tomlinson in that Chargers team. There was like a five-year stretch where 
everybody, they were the sexy pick. They were 14 and two, 13 and three. It felt like every year. But you're right. They just he couldn't get over that Tom Brady and Peyton Manning AFC. And honestly, yeah, it's tough because we are getting old and we can feel it. But we got really lucky to get to grow up in such a great era of quarterbacks. And it looks like this next one might be just as good, if not better. Yeah, and you know we you know we have to harp on this one, bud, because the next best quarterback could potentially be Trevor Lawrence going to the Jacksonville Jaguars, where. Yeah, boy, Urban Meyer just got hired. I mean, this was blowing up. Everyone's freaking out. Of course, you have all the the not-as-educated sports fans just grilling Urban Meyer. Oh, well, he left Ohio State to do this, and then he don't – you, don't you forget, did the same shit to Florida to come to Ohio State. Nonetheless, 12 mil a year getting waved in your face, the, the most amount of cap space – and the number one pick with Trevor Lawrence, the sexiest quarterback prospect to come out in a while. He's even sexier than Andrew Luck was. So it makes sense. But coming from a Buckeye himself, are you mad? Are you happy? What are you feeling, Walter? If anything, see, I, I don't want to get flack for this, but I already know that some people will not like it. I, I'm not the type of person that's going to sit here and shit on Urban Meyer, the person very much, like everybody else will. He did a lot for the school. And I'm very happy for him that he's getting the opportunity to coach in the NFL. All of that being said, I think the biggest question mark for me, at least, is, is he going to be able to translate? I thought that while at Ohio State, while at Florida, while at Utah, his biggest claim there was that he was an outstanding recruiter. His in-game coaching, I felt like, was it left a little to be desired, especially at the late when the game was changing and it felt like he sometimes refused to adapt. You'd see JT Barrett run the ball 25, 30 times a game. What will we see from Urban Meyer at the next level? Is he going to be willing to trust other coaches that might be able to coach the NFL game or play call, at least in the NFL game, a little bit better? I'm I'm excited. I'm a little nervous. I don't know how it's going to go. One thing I will say is if you are going to walk into a situation like Jacksonville, having that plethora of picks, cap space, the future seemingly can be bright, especially if you do hit on that quarterback, they will take it, number one. Whether that's Justin Fields or someone else is yet to be seen. I think it's going to be – or Justin Fields. Yeah, It'll be Trevor Lawrence. Sorry, I'm Buckeye. Buckeye on the brain. But, yeah, likely it will be Trevor Lawrence. I don't know how it's going to go. I'm a, I'm a little skeptical right now. Hey, you know what? This is, uh, this is what this time of year is about. It's for people like Jacksonville Jaguar fans and Duval to get excited. And good for them. They, they finally have something to – be excited about pretty much since that Miles Jack play in the AFC title game against Tom Brady here about four years ago. So we'll see. I, I'm not very I'm not very hopeful for his success there. I, I I'd be interested to hear what you think if you're in a similar spot or if you think he will be able to transition well. That's always the biggest question with this is that transition. Yeah, he's a great recruiter, but you're not going to be doing that in the NFL. You're not going to be looking at these grown men's parents saying, we're going to take okay of him or we're going to take perfect care of him. No, you're not going to do that. You're going to have to look these grown-ass men in the face. They're going to be worse than the college kids that you were uh, that you would have to deal with personality-wise, that is, because they're getting paid millions of dollars. They're not here to get coached. So it's going to be very, very interesting to see how Urban is going to play this. Obviously, he's already came out, nipped it in the butt. He's now looking to poach a bunch of the OSU players, but definitely thought Zeke going to Jacksonville came across my mind to pair up with Trevor Lawrence. You said Zeke. 
you, you think that that might happen? You're thinking Ezekiel Elliott goes to Jacksonville? No, not really. But if we're going to be overpaying Dak, and if his if his sluggish performance goes into next season with you know a fully loaded and healthy offense, I wouldn't be surprised if they're starting to throw that around. Yeah, I'm, it it will be interesting to see here uh, what Jacksonville does end up doing. I mean, they do have. I mean, they have to rebuild an entire team. You don't win your first game of the year and then lose 15 straight without there being obvious problems. But we'll see. We'll definitely see. Last thing we want to talk about real quick before we jump into your Packers going to the NFC title game. One win away from the Super Bowl. It's important to talk about, too. We, we, usually, we're going to focus on players. We're going to talk about coaches, the actual teams. What we haven't talked about a lot this year, we've got to see a couple of cool things happen with the NFL officiating. Usually they're the evil empire. I hate them. Yesterday was the 19th anniversary of the tuck rule. It's still sore in my brain. But this year we had a couple of cool things. We had the first all-black officiating crew referee a game. And now you're going to have Sarah Thomas is the first woman who's ever going to officiate a game in the Super Bowl. It's a big deal. It's not something that... I feel like the average fan's going to be looking at very much. You don't really focus on the referee unless bad things are happening for your team. But this is the culmination of a year's work of hard work for all these referees as well. You don't accidentally get picked for this. So good for her. It's exciting. Hopefully this opens doors for other people in this league. Nothing else to say other than congratulations to her. It's great to see. Yeah, and to your point, while you're having her in there, obviously – she knows how to fucking deal with these players. You know, they're not they're not just going to throw any of the women refs that they have in here. The, obviously, she's the most experienced, and she knows how to deal with some shit. So kudos to her, and it's the, and it's going to be the biggest game of the year. So I can't wait. As long as the national anthem is over, whatever the prop bet is going to be, that's all I care. And she doesn't fuck up my Packers winning, but we'll get to that here. I'm glad you brought up prop bets. That's something we're for sure going to be doing in that week leading up to the Super Bowl. Since we're only going to have one game to bet on, we're going to have more than our typical. We're going to have the the passing yards prop. We're gonna my favorite prop, Stephen. My favorite prop. What color is the Gatorade going to be at the Gatorade bath at the end of the year? I'm a big blue guy, feeling blue, always do. Well, you can't also forget one of my favorite is who is the MVP going to think first. Because obviously they have the mic right there. God is typically the favorite. You gotta go with teammates, you got coaches, you got family. But yeah, nothing is uh nothing's more sweeter than trying to scope out the whole week what color Gatorade each team has so you can sprinkle the heaviest amount of money on that. Cause I remember that one year when the Patriots uh were playing the Rams, everyone's like, Oh, they only drink water. Vote clear, bet clear. And then it was blue, and I was like, You motherfuckers. I, you know, and I was one of the people that bought into that. I'm the type of person, if you give me a fake tip, I'll buy it no matter what. I hear they're going to be pouring clear Gatorade or clear water, whatever it is. You best believe I'm taking that plus 500 odds. And of course, blue wins every single year. It's always like plus 200, plus 150. But this year's different. This year's different. It's going to be red. I'm feeling red already. Exactly. Yeah. To your point, I'm taking any bit of information. Oh, I saw I saw the Packers drinking red Gatorade three years ago around roughly the same time. Fuck it. I'm taking it. I'm looking that guy right in the eyes and taking it. Like when that homeless guy told Jimmy Haslam to fucking draft Johnny Manziel and he was like, all right, bet. I, and I'm glad that you brought up the Packers. I'm going to let you sound off now. We finally got out of a, a few of these little talking points early on to the real deal now. 
the Green Bay Packers, they hosted the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, it's cold Lambeau. But this is a Rams team that I was very high on. I thought I had a legitimate chance to not only go to the Super Bowl, but threaten to win if they got competent quarterback play. What do the Packers do? They go out and really dominate for 60 minutes. Yeah, there were a couple moments here and there where you're like, you know what? The Rams might be getting back into this. They had the really cool play design on the two-point conversion, make it a seven-point game in the third quarter. But then the Packers do what? First play of the next drive, 60-yard run. They go down. They score again. Every time there was a single moment of hope for the Rams. Packers extinguished it. So sound off, Steven. It's your time. Final four teams, NFC title game. They're hosting Tom Brady and the Bucks. What do you got for me? So obviously we'll start here with the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, this is a team that we were both pretty high on once we got past the Russell Wilson Kyler Murray and the Cardinals smoke and we're like you know what we haven't been talking about uh, the top two defense here all year and we, we were pretty high on them and this was the team I did not want to face going in uh, they had Aaron Donald Jalen Ramsey who, who can shut down any receiver at any given point and like you said you know they had Jared Goff he's been playing decent this year let alone he has the highest amount of turnover since he's been a starter in the NFL nonetheless they're se- seemingly Firing on all cylinders, especially with the run game. Three-headed running monster, but led by Cam Akers, who definitely down the stretch has been just balling. So for Green Bay to have them come into Lambeau, them get that big signature win, to your point, just every time they think that the Rams could get back in, Green Bay just kind of shuts them down. Love to fucking see it. For my Green Bay Packers... Once again, Aaron Rodgers, fucking MVP. Man cannot be stopped right now. Aaron Jones, he's the reason our offense will peak at any point during this playoff run. And that 60-yard run to open up the third quarter slash second half really proved that. Robert Tanyan, solid game. Alan Lazard, four receptions, 96 yards, and a touchdown. He's definitely going to be a difference maker because you know all the eyes are going to be on Devontae Adams. And speaking of that man, he is that man. Oh, he was cooking up Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure when he went in motion a couple of those times and got that touchdown, yeah, there's nothing you can do about it. But what about that simple three to four yard slant route that he absolutely cooked Jalen on? Or the rest of that fucking secondary? Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the league, and he's going to cook up Tampa Bay. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. They, had a, they have a complete game. Jari Alexander, who I've been extremely high on, and I've been preaching this dude. Three catches, negative three yards. First cornerback to have negative yards against him in the playoffs since 2006. Now that Jalen's out of the playoffs, everyone decides they want to talk about Jerry Alexander. I've been harping on him all year. It's going to be a good matchup. But what about you, Walter? Outsider, how are my pack looking? Man, I've been really excited about this team for most of the year. There, There's just this feeling about this team that this is different. And I tell you what, you I know you've mentioned it many times. Mike McCarthy needs to get freaking put down because what he did in Aaron Rodgers' prime. You're seeing right now what a competent offensive play caller can do with him. And right, I mean, I don't know if there's a team I'd pick against the Packers at the moment, the way they're playing, at least in Green Bay. They, they will, if they do beat Tampa, ironically, travel to Tampa to play in the Super Bowl. That'll be tough against most likely the Kansas City Chiefs. 
But you're right. I mean, this Packers team right now, they're cooking on all cylinders. And yeah, you said, how do you pronounce it? I thought it was Jair Alexander. I'm obviously doing it wrong. Jari, Jair, Jareer. You say it anyway. All right. So yeah, whatever. Alexander out there. Negative three yards, three catches. That's ridiculous. I understand, yeah, that he wasn't going against Devontae Adams, who I've been criminally low on, where it's crazy in at any position in the NFL to call someone top five and feel like you're slighting them. But as this season's gone on, like the guy's making a, a legitimate claim to be the best wide receiver in the NFL. And if not, he's he's on that level. Whatever it is, he's on the DeAndre Hopkins level. He's on the Julio Jones level. He is that kind of guy. Now, what will be interesting, and we'll get into it a little bit more when we're doing the breakout, breakdown next week, but how's Alexander, yeah, he's going to be matched up against one of legitimately three number one wide receivers in Tampa. The question's going to be, can the Packers find a way to slow down the Chris Godwin, the Antonio Brown, maybe the Mike Evans when he's on one of those other guys. So that'll be interesting going forward. But dude, this was just a clinic. This has to have Packers fans feeling really, really, really good going into this next week, especially when you consider the fact Tampa Bay wasn't all that impressive. No, they aren't. But at the end of the day, they have they have Tom Brady. But Green Bay's defense has been playing well down the stretch. We're we're playing complete football games here the past uh, past few weeks here, the end of the season and start of the postseason. So the confidence is good. This isn't giving me the vibes of the run that they made in 2010, 2011. But at that time, I was also doubting every single game and every single snap that was happening. In that instance, it's feeling very similar. But we may be having a different conversation here next week during the podcast. So I don't want to jink myself too, too much. Yeah. Well, I, okay. If I want to do the whole look back at history in 2010, 2011 – Guess who came out with their little knockoff of black and yellow then? Lil Wayne with the green and yellow. Guess what he did again? He's back at his old games. Maybe it's a sign of things to come. I'd be excited about your Packers. I'm not going to give away who I'm picking next week as of yet. But hey, man, you got to be fired up. Final four. We'll, we'll, We'll get to some other teams now, but congratulations to you. Congratulations to all the Packer fans out there. Any last words you want to say on your teams before it gets, uh, before we break down some other teams here. I mean, if you got Wheezy putting out remixes of his own songs 10 years later, then you guys know you're fucked. We're coming. Aaron is coming. And from Green Bay to Buffalo, New York, another very cold city, Buffalo hosts Baltimore Ravens, Lamar coming off his first playoff win, and they shit the bed. Big surprise here. Buffalo Bills coming out the win, going to the AFC Championship game against the Kansas City Chiefs. We will cross that bridge when we get there. Lamar Jackson, one and three in his playoff games, thirty and seven in his regular season games. Man just cannot get it done consistently in the playoffs. Looks like Mark Ingram is uh, gets cut day after this. Josh Allen didn't have a great game, but good enough to get it done. Has more wins than Lamar Jackson. Let's give this man some fucking credit, finally, Wally. But to wrap it all up, what do we think about the Bills after this game and, of course, the Ravens? For me, this was a game where I'm not trying to rag on Josh Allen. He just came off of two consecutive wins. But this is a game where both quarterbacks have had issues in their postseason games thus far in their career. Josh Allen, this was only his third game. He hasn't thrown any interceptions. That counted, I should say. 
He's thrown only three touchdowns, though. His yard yardage per game has not been anywhere near his regular season production. You have to imagine at some point you're gonna get have to get regular season Josh Allen if you're going to beat a team like Kansas City, especially on the road. We'll see if that happens. But to dissect Lamar in the Baltimore Ravens first, Lamar he's now one in three in playoff games. He's thirty and seven in the regular season. In the postseason here, he's only averaging 225 yards a game. And one of those games blew up that statistics. Three of the four of his games, he's been under 200 passing yards. That's not going to get it done in the NFL, especially when teams are able to take away your legs. And in this game, Buffalo held all of the premier rushers, rushers Gus Edwards and J- or, uh, J.K. Dobbins. Both, both had identical stat lines of 10 attempts for 42 yards. Lamar had nine rushes for 34. They take their legs away. You're going to have to eventually beat a team with your arms. Good for the Bills. They knew what they were doing. They kind of played bend, don't break against Lamar and this Baltimore Ravens offense. And look what happens. They get down into the red zone. In that third quarter, it's a 10-3 game at that point. They had a really good chance to make this a real game in the fourth quarter. Instead, Lamar throws an ill-advised pass. Not only is it intercepted, it's returned all the way. The game's effectively over at that point. It's 17-3. It's over. The Bills didn't have to ask much of Josh Allen, so we'll see what he does going against Kansas City this next week. The other takeaways here from this game, Mark Ingram was let go by Baltimore. It looks like they're finally going to Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins full-time. Surprised it took this long, honestly. But yeah, man, the Ravens have some legitimate questions going forward. This is the first time I feel like if you're a Ravens fan, you have that little voice in the back of your head being like, can we get over the hump with a Lamar Jackson at quarterback? And I don't know. I really don't. He's going to have to grow up. He's going to have to learn how to literally become a passer when his legs are taken away. I guess I'd be interested to hear what your takeaways in this game. Are you giving more of the credit to Buffalo? Or do you think this is just turning into a consistent issue come January in Baltimore? I think it's clear that Lamar can get it done in the playoffs to a certain extent. But to your point, if you're taking their legs out, make them play quarterback, that's how you're going to beat them. Now, that's not necessarily going to be the recipe for success against Josh Allen. But Lamar Jackson, absolutely. That interception he had in the wild card game was atrocious. And it's laughable that this dude is getting all this, getting such a long leash for his passing game when we cut people off if they're not even doing that the first week. Or, I'm sorry, their first year. But since he's running so much, everyone kind of looks past it. I just think that Baltimore is really starting to show their true colors. I think they peaked halfway between last season. And they're going to extend Lamar Jackson, and they're quickly going to regret it after they do that. So I'm going to give all the props to Buffalo on this. Buffalo's been the hot hand, especially offensively between Stephon Diggs and and Josh Allen. So I'm going to give the props to Buffalo on this one. My, I guess my biggest thing going in for Lamar, and I want to give him due credit too because I feel like we have been really critical of him so far. Lamar, like I said earlier, he's 30-7 and in the regular season. It's clear that he can play quarterback against most teams. It's just a question now whether it's scheming some plays up to get him some easy completions early in the game or not to mention, I don't want to take or or look past. You have guys like J.K. Dobbins out there. He dropped several very key balls in that game that could have been first downs or who knows, maybe even touchdowns. One in, later in or in the first half where he dropped 
a pass on third down on a screen pass. Buckeye fans remember that eerily similar to what he did in the Clemson game. Two critical drops in that semifinal last year. That's an issue too. So it's something to keep an eye on. I don't want to say that they need to move on from Lamar yet. He is only in his third year. There's a lot to be excited about. But at some point, he's going to have to win games with his arms. Because teams in coaching, like McDermott, like a Andy Reid, any of these good coaches out there in the league, they're going to be able to scheme up defenses to give him fits. And it, it's just going to come down to the fact you have to win the ball game with your arms sometimes. And we're going to have to see that growth as a quarterback or Baltimore might be in a really awkward situation here in a few years when that mega contract's going to have to come up. And it's funny you talked about winning games with their legs because this next, this next game, Chad Henney, anything is possible, picks up a third down. Actually, no. He gets the fourth and inches on a third and 15, makes the rush to close the game out against the Cleveland Browns, the visiting Cleveland Browns. Man, this has just got to hurt. Cleveland, it just – it felt like they at least were a little bit in this game. Then obviously when Pat Mahomes went out, everyone's ears perked up, especially in Cleveland, and everyone was ready for Cleveland potentially going to the AFC Championship game. Only for Chad Henney, uh, a Michigan quarterback, ripping out the Browns and most likely an Ohio State fan's heart at the same time. Man, this was just so rough. But at the end of the day, you, you, you got to be happy with the season you had. I know you got so close, but compared to where you've been the past one, two decades, this is a win. Wally, what do you think about uh, the Browns not being able to take advantage of Mahomes coming out? But the Chiefs also and getting a dub to go for their third straight AFC championship game. I won't sit here and pretend like I'm a big enough person to say that I watched this with no vested interest. I was rooting for the Browns. I want to see the Chiefs lose. I want to see the Chiefs lose at home. And honestly, credit to Chad Henney, finally able to beat an Ohio team. He couldn't do it when he was in college. Might as well do it now when he comes in late in a game and just hold on to a game. I should, I'm should. i going to give due credit to the Chiefs before I go to the Browns. We've been saying all year, this feels like our pick. I've been picking him for a Super Bowl to me. Until I see someone legitimately beat them, they're not going to lose. They went 14-1 and with their starters this year. The last game of the year against the Chargers, they didn't play anybody. We all have said they looked a little underwhelming at times this year. They went 14-1 and with their starters, and we're talking about them being vulnerable. They look bored in the regular season. This is a Chiefs team, assuming Mahomes is healthy and ready to go on Sunday. I, I know I'm spoiling a little bit of what I'm doing later. How am I supposed to pick against anybody playing them right now? Especially in Kansas City? No. There's going to be no broken tables out in that parking lot. There's going to be only crazy Chiefs fans at Arrowhead. Yeah, you'll get the the Buffalo stragglers like Cleveland. They brought busloads of people in and credit to them. They were excited. It doesn't matter. You take those road fans out of it immediately when you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes in that game, every single drive he had ended in a scoring drive or a missed field goal in the one opportunity with the exception of the drive he got hurt on. Mahomes is a machine right now. Even when he doesn't look that good, he's scoring at will. I get the Browns' defense is nothing to write home about right now. But, dude, they're just legit. I'm picking them against the Bills. I know, again, spoiling it, no problem. That's going to happen. But you got to – I mean, this is just a great team. This is a great coach game by Andy Reid, too. To to have Chad Henney, first of all, 
credit to him, the guts, the grit to get 14 yards on that four, third and 15 to put Andy Reid in a position to go for it. All the credit in the world. And then Henny to make the pass. I know it's a dump down. I know it's a little short route, a protection route, make it easy on the quarterback. But he had to complete the pass. And they got the first down. They're going to host another AFC title game for third straight time. And they're probably going to win that game. Now, for the Browns, I would be so excited as a Cleveland Browns fan right now. Baker Mayfield's proved that he's going to be your guy. Finally gets a little coaching stability and you got to see him grow throughout the year. That confidence is a benefit. It's not a bad thing. Yeah, he had the terrible pick to Tyron Matthew, who, by the way, talk about Mr. Playoffs. Tyron Matthew, if there's any defender in the league right now that can say that he steps up once the the bright lights come on in January, it's Tyron Matthew. The guy's been a big game player all the way back to LSU days. The guy just shows up when it matters, and that's something to keep an eye on too. But the, the Browns now, you have such a great base. You have a ton of cap room. You have a coach finally, and you have a quarterback. Take a deep breath. Your future is so bright, and you should be really, really excited. And who knows what happens if Rashard Higgins doesn't fumble that ball through the end zone at the end of the first half. Instead of 19-3, to you might be looking at a 16-10 game, and the Browns are getting the ball right back again to start the second half. It really felt like it flipped the game. It, it's just one of those matchups where you could not have any mistakes. The Chiefs are too good. You needed to play a flawless game and get help. They got help. And they still weren't able to win. I mean, you lose Patrick Mahomes. You could tell everybody, like you said in Cleveland, the ears perked up. All of a sudden, you had a Chiefs team that you felt was very vulnerable. And it shows how talented a quarterback Mahomes is, too, that the moment that Patrick Mahomes goes down, the Chiefs not only look beatable, they look comical almost, where they have a bend-don't-break defense because they know they're going to score 30-plus points a game. So they had a shot, and credit to Andy Reid for realizing that and going for it on fourth down at the end of that game. It tells me that Andy Reid has a ton of respect for the Browns' offense and their ability to potentially score in a minute and 10 seconds, that he was deciding, hey, you know what? We're taking the risk with Chad Henney to get this fourth and one and potentially giving the Browns ball to 50 instead of giving Baker Mayfield a minute 10 to cook. So we'll see. There's some other questions I want to ask you, too, and any other takeaways you have but two questions I have for you right now Le'Veon Bell Clyde Edwards Hilaire he's hurt he's out who do you expect to come in and take the carries well it was Daryl Williams it wasn't Le'Veon Bell Le'Veon Bell had two carries for six yards in this game is he washed and my second question for you going back to the Rashard Higgins fumble out of the end zone what is your take on that touchback rules because it is a very very Hot button topic. Every time it happens, people are either thinking it's the worst rule of all time or you'll have the people saying, what, are we going to give another advantage to the offense and another rule and give the ball right back? So what is your takeaway on all that, Stephen, and any other thing you have out of this game, period? Now, I wouldn't say Le'Veon Bell is washed, but he definitely is. He definitely should be getting more touches, especially with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out. That's embarrassing that you're having essentially the third string running back taking more carries but all that really screams to me is that maybe he just isn't picking that offense up he's been there for a while he came in mid-season he hasn't really had any more than 11 12 touches in a game maybe i know 10 i know 10 for a fact he's hit i'm thinking maybe at least a couple just for the benefit of the doubt because of the player he is i wouldn't say that he's washed but man ever since he sat out he just hasn't been the same 
And I think uh, who, who, whatever team or whoever team or organization picks him up after this year is going to have a good player because he will have an offseason. He can get the playbook down. And hopefully he wants to play for a coach or organization that he wants to be there for. Hindsight is twenty twenty. Looking back now, signing with the Jets is pretty shitty. But uh, our our eyesight was pretty clear when he signed with them in 2018. So I don't know what the fuck he was thinking in general. Now let's flip it over to the uh, touchback rule. That one, I don't know. Obviously, the game between the Packers and Raiders here uh, last year, that was a turning point of that game. I know you definitely – I know we definitely both know that one well. The only argument I would have, I feel like this is the equivalent of there's not enough evidence for me to overturn. Like, we're, like if we're not making it a touchback, then what are we making it? Just making it a fumble out of there? It's just a clusterfuck. It's, if we make it this, then why can't it be this? Well, if it's not this, then why is it not this? And obviously that's the situation we're in right now. Personally – I like. I still like that rule. If it's going to go clearly, if it's going to be fumbled, clearly goes to the end zone, then out of bounds should stay. Just don't be selfish and try to reach out for that play. I know us, you know, us being fat pieces of shit on our couch, we're easy to jump. Be like, hey, we want to make that selfish play. We also want to be running at any distance for any amount of time as well. But I'm going to have to stick with this on there. I have to ask your opinion on the touchback rule. Well, the Raiders have been bitten by it several times in the Derek Carr era, and I won't pretend like there's moments when it doesn't benefit the Raiders where I'm like, oh, that's the worst rule of all time. But I change my tune. I feel like every time I hear a a reasonable take on it, where I get where you can't punish a a player for being aggressive and trying to reach out there. I understand the, the, the thought but I do also agree with it feels like every rule is going against the defense right now in the NFL, where if you were going to ask my honest opinion, I've heard one solution that I would entertain. And if this doesn't work, then to me, you got to just keep the rule as is. The only thing I can think of is they put the ball back at the 20 and let's say it was third and goal. It's now fourth and goal at the 20. If it was first down and 10 at Midfield, and it was a 49-yard play, and the guy fumbled out of the end zone. It's first and 10 at the 20. That's the only thing I can think of where I'm like, all right, you know, you penalize the offense. That would be the largest penalty in the NFL with the exception of pass interference on the defense that goes beyond 20 yards. So I think that would be a reasonable thing to look at. But if it's not that, you can't just give the ball back to the offense at the one-yard line. Then, to me, it's your reward. The, the guy reaching for the ball for the end zone. I don't think that's right either. I think there's got to be at best a middle ground. If not, good. You know what? Sorry, the defense finally gets one to go their way. Can you at least agree with me that we have to keep it because what is the viable solution or other rule we're going to put in place for it? I feel like this is the best way to go about it. Like I said, the only thing I can truly think of it would be moving the ball back to the 20 for the offense. That would be the only thing I would consider where, like I said, if, if it was second and goal at the seven, you fumble out of the end zone, it's now third and goal at the 20. It's turns into a 20-yard a penalty. No one's happy. Problem is, is that you could argue it still benefits the offense, then there's not too much of a penalty for reaching out. 
it's just a tough situation. It's you want to teach your players, especially in this situation with Rashard Higgins on Saturday or on Sunday, excuse me. If he doesn't reach out there and he goes out of bounds at the one yard line, you have first and goal at the one with a minute and 10 seconds left. You don't need to reach out there and give even more momentum to a Chiefs team to that point, hadn't failed to score yet. And then what did they do? They walked down the field and it went from 16 3 to 19 3. And like I said, if he scores, who knows? The entire game, the complexion of everything, decisions, it's the butterfly effect. Who knows? So. I don't know. It's just a tough rule. It sucks when it happens in situations like this, but I'm not opposed to you saying to keep it. I really am not. What if – say they say they go out of the one-yard line like Higgins did. What if they put it the one-yard line but it's fourth and goal and you only have one play to capitalize on it? I uh, I mean that's an idea. I, I, I think that I would be more hmm. – It's it turns into effectively a two-point conversion play there. Man, that's tough. I don't. I I can see what you're saying. I I like the twenty yard thing, but I, I I don't know. I I'm not I'm not completely against it, Stephen. That's some XFL rules. I don't want to get too into it, but the, put a, add a little add a little sugar and spice to the game, especially in a playoff game. Can never go wrong with that. To wrap up our last playoff game, a couple of goats, Tom Brady and Drew Brees face off. Of course. Right when Tom Brady got in here, this is the matchup that we're thinking about. But for a third time, oh, my God, this is love. Tom Brady finally gets the best of the New Orleans Saints and Drew Brees. Tom Brady has been dog shit, absolute dog shit against the New Orleans Saints this year. Uh, Five interceptions, I believe, maybe the two touchdowns. Those, Those touchdowns are just straight garbage time. But Tom Brady got it right. That defense came to play. One of the reasons I'm also scared as a Packers fan to be facing them this this week. We will get to that here in a few minutes because this is our last game. Just like it was unfortunately Drew Brees' last game or that's what it's seeming to be. So, Wally, finally, an NFC like we don't have this in the NFC. You're used to this as an outsider, I guess. Yet, you had all the AFC quarterbacks always going at it between Tom and Peyton, and then even sprinkling Philip Rivers and a plethora of other quarterbacks. But the NFC is not used to this. So this was the goat matchup. But what do you think of it? And what do you think of this being Drew Brees' potential last game? I think that just judging off of what we saw post game, and it felt like we were intruding in a special moment. But there were several things where you got to see videos of Drew Brees and his wife basically accepting it that this was probably his final game, kind of drinking it all in one more time. Uh, I know people are critical of Tom Brady because there are times when his team loses, he doesn't go out and show the proper respect to the other team. And it's easy when you're the winner, but credit to Brady. Brady came back out. He had a special moment with the Brees family, uh, throwing a, a little touchdown fast to Drew Brees' son in the end zone while they were talking. And I think basically both realizing they're in the the very end of their careers. Tom Brady maybe has a year or two left in him. But it's evident that Drew Brees is he's not the same guy anymore. I mean, he threw for a buck 34. And if it wasn't for the Jameis Winston trick play, this was a route. It, I, I mean, four turnovers, three of them being uh, Drew Brees' fault in this game, three picks. By the way, Devin White, have the game of your freaking life. Guy was unbelievable. It, it's it's sad. It, this is we, – we touched on it earlier with the Phillip Rivers moment. It's just hard when you get to see 
these guys, for us, we grew up with them. These are the guys when you're in the backyard, you tell, hey, I'm Drew Brees. Uh, you're Mike. You're like you could be whoever you want. Back then, it was freaking Dante Stallworth and and, and uh, oh gosh, uh, what wh- what was the other guy? Marquise Colston. You have all these guys back then. It's you're them. I, I'm Drew Brees. Look at that. Or I'm Tom Brady. You're Randy Moss. You're Rob Gronkowski. Not the other tight end. But <laughs> it was it was an era where we grew up with these guys, and it's finally coming to an end, and that's really difficult. And it's a bummer that we didn't get a a vintage Drew Brees, vintage Tom Brady matchup between these two guys. But at the end of the day, the better team won. The Saints had been a bad matchup for the Bucs all year, and the Bucs finally got over that hump. And I truly believe that we're probably seeing the best two teams in the NFC go at it this next weekend. And I think the winner is going to be very deserving, and not only very deserving, you have a potential home Super Bowl team hosting in their own building. If Tampa Bay manages to beat your Green Bay Packers next week, all of a sudden you get Tom Brady in his own backyard, has Patrick Mahomes come in, and man, that when we grew up as NBA fans, it was always the, are we going to get Kobe and LeBron? And it never happened. We might get Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, and I don't know if there's a better way for Tom Brady to potentially end out his career as winning seven Super Bowls more than any other franchise by himself, or Patrick Mahomes cementing himself as that next Tom Brady. So uh, what is your, uh, I guess, what were your emotions when you were watching that? It had to have been tough, even though you knew that you were going to have to play the winner of this game, right? I would have rather played Drew Brees because obviously, if you guys have not seen the story already, he was playing with a torn labrum. What he had a torn muscle in his foot. Obviously, the eleven broken ribs and the puncture lung that he that he sustained during the year. And I wanted Drew Brees up there. Drew Brees in below twenty five degree weather in Lambo with all of that. He was horrible outside of the dome before that, so I definitely wanted it. But to kind of kind of your point uh, before. Uh, talking about the Philip Rivers comment we were making earlier, we're at that point in our lives where remember when we were in Mad or remember when we were playing Madden growing up, and we would make our own f- franchise, you'd run our own team, and then you would just fast forward like twelve years down the road, and you're like, I have no idea who the fuck these random creative players are that Madden made. That's what we're feeling now. Drew Brees is gone. Tom Brady's going to be gone the next two years. Obviously, my guy Aaron's going to be gone the next few years. Peyton's gone. It sucks. But the future is going to be bright. Obviously, we're going to get to that. But Tom Brady getting, getting the best of him. This is the matchup that we've wanted. This is the matchup we've also wanted in the championship game because out of all of the great quarterback matchups over the years, especially when we're growing up, there's only been two Aaron versus Toms. None of them, obviously, in the Super Bowl because Green Bay can't fucking get to the Super Bowl. But this is the next best thing. You have Tom Brady versus Drew Brees, and then we have Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers, and then we're going to have Tom Brady versus Pat Mahomes or Aaron versus Pat Mahomes, which you were kind of underselling, by the way, Walter. That's not a bad second, you know, kind of backup game to have is Aaron versus uh, Pat Mahomes, but – it's it's a sad day in our uh, in our lives. Like I said, we realize we're getting old. Drew Brees is ninety eight percent out the door, and we have a pretty damn good matchup coming up this weekend. Uh, yeah, I, I just to say, you're one hundred percent right, and I'm not trying to minimize Aaron Rodgers. If that's what it sounded like, that's 
definitely not what I meant. That's my fault. But yeah, it, it, that's another situation where Mike McCarthy needs to be taken behind the woodshed because, I mean, we should have seen Aaron Rodgers in the Super Bowl much more than we got to see him in his career. And we're finally, even at the tail end now, Aaron Rodgers is a lot like Tom Brady. He take care or takes care of himself very well. There's a legitimate shot that we still get four or five more years of Aaron Rodgers. And if that happens, who knows? Maybe you sprinkle in another two, three, four more. You'll have more people outside of the Green Bay fandom that are going to be putting him in that GOAT class right now. We're unfortunately just purely on Tom Brady's more decorated. It's been easier for people to side with him where the talent alone I mean, you could. There's a very good case to be made that Aaron Rodgers is the most talented quarterback of all time. He's got that Dan Marino vibe where he was, he just had hadn't got as much done in the postseason as you would have liked. It's just a thing to kind of backtrack about my whole Aaron versus Tom Brady. We only ha- we don't have that many. The Packers didn't fucking choke on the largest cog against the Atlanta Falcons in the NFC Championship game. That could have been the Packers blowing a 28-3 lead. But in hindsight, I think we all enjoy the Falcons blowing that lead because they're looking like nothing for the future to come. I tell you what, that that state of Georgia just has the worst freaking luck when it comes to big football games, whether that be the Atlanta Falcons or whether it be the Georgia Bulldogs. One of these days, I think even all of us, we have to almost hope they break through in some capacity because I genuinely feel bad for the people of Georgia, man. And then you always wonder, you know, you go down to the south, you're like, why do these people, you know, you have like all like the white trash hoodlums. Like, why aren't they why aren't they dressing up? Why, why aren't they approachable? Could you be approachable if you're a Falcons and Georgia Bulldogs fan, especially this past five years? Absolutely not. Let alone they're just shitheads. But now we're done talking here. Speaking about the future, let's hop into the future. We got a we got a couple of fun games here coming here, Walter. Championship matchups. We were texting here a little bit. Essentially, we have NFC matchup between the goats. AFC, we have the matchup between the futures. Walter, this is all you, my man. Please take it away. Well, let's start. You know what it's about. We, we're we into the gambling segment here. And yeah, there's only two games, but that just means that we have to hit even more. These are the games you're going to remember next week when you get your money back. So let's hope. So you have Tampa Bay and they are going to Lambeau where it looks like it's going to be under 30 degrees. And as of now, there's a 40% chance of snow for Sunday. It feels special that this is also Aaron Rodgers' first NFC title game at Lambeau Field. That's surreal to think about when you consider the success this guy's had. And even though they haven't made it to a ton of Super Bowls, it feels like the Packers are always playing in this conference championship game, or at least to the outside of us. So it's kind of weird to believe that this is his first one. But right now, the Packers are three-point favorites. The over-under is set at 51.5. I'll start with me. I think I'm going to – it just feels like this Packers team, they're a wagon right now. It feels like they, Aaron Rodgers is playing the best football of his career. I understand Tampa Bay took the, the Packers to town earlier this year, beat the shit out of them in Tampa, 38-10. to 10. Realistically, that was the game – correct me if I'm wrong, Stephen, when you're up. 
But it felt like that was the game for at least me that I had like doubts in the back of my head about the Packers all year because of that game. I'm like, wow, you know what? They kind of got bullied there. They they were able to at least stifle that offense. And the, and the Packers weren't able to stop Tom Brady in that Bucks offense at all. I think this is different. This is in Lambeau. This is cold. This is where Jair Alexander, however you're going to pronounce his first name, guys had a legendary season. He's going to do well. You don't just forget how to play football in one week. I don't care who you're playing. Mike Evans, top five receiver or not. I think he's going to do well. It's just a matter of how the, the Packers are going to be able to do against the rest of that wide receiver core. I think they're going to do enough. I think I'm going to take the Packers to win the game. I think they're going to cover, but I think it's going to be relatively low scoring. I think this is going to be a 24-20 Green Bay Packers win. So not only am I going to take the Packers to cover, I'm going to take the under of 51 and a half. That feels sacrilegious to me to be going anti-over. But as of right now, weather considered, these defenses are playing really well right now too. Packers win a relatively close game, but they are going to get the cover. Steven, sound off. These are your boys. Give us some good news. Tell us that you're going to be excited come two weeks from now because your team's going to be still playing football in the last game of the year. Finally, the first time in a while, at least a decade, that I am actually comfortable with Green Bay going to the NFC Championship game. Obviously, we all know the 2016 against the Seahawks. Fucking blew the lead. Muffy onside kick. It's been living in the back of my mind for a while. Then we had Atlanta 2018. Got absolutely demolished in Atlanta. Atlanta goes on, like I was saying, to blow that lead of 28-3 to to the New England Patriots. Then we have last year. Go to San Francisco, zero hope at all. Get spanked like I'm expecting to, but at least put up a fight, which they do not do. This year, my goodness. Aaron, like you're saying, playing the greatest ball of his career. I'd argue not the greatest, but minimum top three. Touchdowns are great. The yards aren't there. Interceptions are the lowest that he's had. And this is the highest amount of touchdowns that he's had in a season. Jari Alexander just playing great ball. He held Mike Evans to four receptions, 44 yards in that week five matchup. But to your point, this is a week five matchup that was so long ago. These are two different teams. I mean, Tampa Bay went through the whole spectrum of what type of team this is going to be when Green Bay seems to be pretty consistent outside of those two games. This game is not giving me San Francisco vibes like they were last year when San Francisco blew the doors off of us regular season and then did the exact same thing in the NFC Championship game. To your point, mind-blowing that this is Aaron's first NFC Championship game at home. Sure, Tom Brady's used to it. He's also used to that Florida heat that he's been the last 10 months, and this is going to be a little bit colder than he remembered. I'm going to go with Green Bay minus three on here. Every time I pick a... Anytime I pick the points against the Packers, my foot's in my mouth. Every time I think the spread's too high to pick the Packers, the foot is also in my mouth. So I'm going to say, fuck it. I'm full in. Devontae, best receiver in the league. Aaron's MVP. Jari's the best mm, top two corner in the league. And we're beating Tampa Bay. And we're going to go to, we're going to flip around and go to their home turf to win a fucking Super Bowl. It's crazy to think that Tom Brady might be playing in a place that has colder weather than Foxborough, Massachusetts, but we might be there. We might see it on Sunday. We're going to at least see cold weather. Whether it snows yet, it looks like it's still up in the air. We'll see. But yeah, dude, these are different teams. I'm really excited. I think we both hit it over, or most of it there, but there's one last thing I do want to touch on. 
it's really weird to look at the NFC playoffs this year versus the AFC playoffs where the NFC, the quarterbacks ages have been much higher. We're looking at the past versus the future in the AFC. Go figure. It feels like the AFC is always in the freaking future with these stud quarterbacks. But yeah, you have combined age in the NFC title game of Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady at 80 years old. You're going to look at the combined age of Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, 49. There's a 31-year age difference between the two quarterbacks in both of these matchups. We'll see how uh, that, that looks out. That'll be a narrative. You know it'll be a narrative. But good luck to you. I have friends that are both Buccaneers fans. I have friends like you that are Packers fans. I really am rooting for a good game. I have a bad feeling whoever loses is going to be a heartbreaker. I think this is going to be an outstanding game where I can't really say that for the KC game. I've alluded to what I was saying before. Yes, this I am fully ready to have my heart broken, but not like I have in the past. I have actual confidence after the Packers beating the Rams – I I feel like this is the next step. Take Tom Brady out. You're facing two top three defenses back-to-back week. You beat them both. How can Green Bay not have the confidence to beat whoever is coming out of the AFC? AFC is very good. The NFC has way more complete teams. That's what I'm saying. Whoever wins this NFC matchup, or I'm saying it now, is going to inevitably be the Super Bowl champion because of that reason. It's just crazy to me that we might actually look at a situation where Tom Brady to win the Super Bowl is going to have to not only go through, ironically, well, we're, we have the Washington situation at quarterback, but he's going to have to go through Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, and Patrick Mahomes most likely to win a Super Bowl. If he wins one this year, you can make a legitimate case it's the most impressive Super Bowl in Tom Brady's entire career. I don't think that happens. I think your boy gets it done in A.A. Ron, Aaron Rodgers. But we'll see. It's going to be a great game on Sunday. I think Tom Brady and the Bucks will get it done next year on his second and final year of the contract and his career. For this year, just give it to Aaron since San Francisco is not in the NFC. And then have fun with them next year, Tom Brady. Yeah, that's at the point, too, where uh, you say that now, but next year it's going to be, hey, you know what? Aaron Rodgers can have three Super Bowls. That you can have that in your mind where it's going to be, screw that, Tom Brady, you've got six. Get out of here. We'll see you later, buddy. In the last game this weekend, the AFC title game. You've already heard me. I've given away my pick, so I'll be quick right away, and then we'll break it down a little more. Buffalo's going to Kansas City. This opened, believe it or not, on Sunday with Buffalo being a minus one-point favorite because people weren't sure about Patrick Mahomes' status. As the week's gone on and we're starting to see that Mahomes is likely going to be back, it's changed. It's over to KC is minus three right now. The over-under to me is a little low. It's at 53 and a half. It's going to be mid-40s. Similar to with uh, Green Bay, there's only a 40% chance of rain showers right now. Who knows? As the week goes on, you know that'll change one way or another. I'm going with Kansas City. I'm going to take them to cover. I'm going to take the over. I just right now, until I see it, I, I don't think the Chiefs will be able to be slowed up enough on offense for a team to win. And you're going to have to have Josh Allen play the best game of his postseason career on Sunday to win. And we haven't seen it yet. So until it happens, I'm going to take the Chiefs. I'm going to take the win. This is two bend, don't break defenses right now. And I just think that Patrick Mahomes is the more equipped quarterback to be able to get over the hump this week. They win. To me, I think they're going to win easily. This to me has a vibe of like a 35 to like 20 win. I know I might be way off. Obviously, Vegas thinks I'm an idiot, but I'm hammering Kansas City this week. I think they win. The overhits, 
Everybody's happy. You walk away with easy money at both accounts this weekend. Steven, who do you have? What are you betting? And I guess who are you hoping to play in the post or the Super Bowl? I feel like we have an idea, but let's hear it. This game is so contradictory of at least what I've been saying all year. If you want to if you want to win a championship, you need to have a good pass rush and a good overall defense and obviously a rushing game. Kansas City. Let's take Chris Jones out of the equation, who has had the most quarterback hurries since 2018. Let's take him out of the equation. They have no pass rush. They also cannot stop the run. Ironically, the Bills cannot run the ball. That's what's that's what's going to be so much fun about because that goes that goes on both ends. These defenses are not fun. This is all this is gonna be an offensive ridden game. Buffalo's front seven is not as strong as what we're used to. And Kansas City also cannot run the ball. But the secondary for Buffalo is is their strong suit. But good luck with that with the with the skilled players that Kansas City has. But with this, you're gonna have to put who what quarterback do you trust more? A 50% Patrick Mahomes or a 90 to 100% Josh Allen? In this instance, what have you done for me lately? How could you ever bet against Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs? And Andy Reid. Can't forget about the man, the mad scientist who is concocting this crazy formula for this offense. But yeah, minus three and a half, or minus three, I should say. This is obviously considering that Pat Mahomes is going to play and start, which I could, could not fathom why he would not start outside of his trainers literally saying no you cannot go and you're also worth half a billion dollars so we're not going to allow this outside of that I think the Chiefs are going to win as long as Pat Mahomes is going to play three and a half Buffalo's had a great year I think they're one more key piece on defense away from being that real real strong team but they're the hottest team in the NFL as well so we cannot put it past them yeah, I think we both are being pretty emphatic here that if Patrick Mahomes doesn't play, do not bet the Chiefs. We're both there with you. I, I think the Bills do win that game if Patrick Mahomes is not playing. It's just as simple as this. I don't know how you keep Patrick Mahomes off the field this week. If there's, I, I like it's. I already have a trust issue with NFL concru- concussion protocol. You can see a guy literally not know how to say his own name not know where he is, and somehow half of them back end up back in the game the same day. So I have a really difficult time believing that Patrick Mahomes will not be out there this weekend. We'll see, too. Another big piece on the defense for Kansas City, Brashad uh, Breland, he's also in concussion protocol right now. And as of right now, he's kind of similar with Mahomes. There's nothing definitive yet. It will be interesting to see how he does. I just Even without Breland, I think that you're going to see guys like Matthew step up and it's going to be very difficult for the Bills to win this game, much like Cleveland last week. I feel like they're going to have to basically pitch the perfect game to have it happen, and I just don't think they have it in them. I think what we're going to see is Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes in Tampa Bay two weeks from Sunday. And that's going to bring us to the end of another episode of Lost It Down. Finally, meanwhile, we're able to get back and uh, back together, do this. And hopefully we're going to continue this here in the future. I know next week is not going to be as great with the Pro Bowl in there, but we can we can just shoot the shit and finally talk a lot of trash about the players that we haven't been able to cover these past few weeks. 
He's Walter Lukashensky. I'm Stephen Weed. Please follow us on any social media platform. We have Facebook at Loss of Down. We have Twitter at Down underscore Loss. I hope I got that right. And, of course, your Instagram at Loss of Down as well. Wally, do you have anything to leave or do you have anything to say before we leave, bud? A lot of fun football coming up this last weekend. Enjoy it. We're down to three real games. I know we have the Pro Bowl that we will talk about. And it'll be a fun uh, little stretch here with our episodes because we'll be able to start talking about awards, things like that. Go back. We can revisit some of our picks in preseason next week because we have effectively a bye week before the Super Bowl. It'll be a lot of fun, man. I'm looking forward to this weekend. And good luck to you and your Green Bay Packers. I, I, I hope to... Have a happy Stephen here this next week. Good luck to you and your boys. I appreciate you. You continue getting healthy, my man. Even though you still brought that 100% tonight, I know I know inside you're dying, so I love it. This is Walter Lukashensky. I'm Stephen Weed. This is Lost It Down, and until next week, we will see you.